Good evening again. Welcome. Welcome. Um, it's customary as part of this service to, for someone to say a few words, and, and so I've prepared only a few words. But I'd like to begin those few words by saying thank you to our choir. Of course, to Bill, who has uh, worked hard. Come on, stand up, Bill. Come on. And of course, our musicians. Thank you. When we decided, when we proposed, Bill proposed moving from brass to strings, I thought, oh, great. And I'm so glad we did, because you're here. You sound fantastic. So thank you, all of you, for, uh, for everything. Thank all of you for coming, for, to our readers, young and old. And um, it's quite something, isn't it, to have all of these readings considered in one evening, and then to be paired with song. There's something about considering what happened in the first century that helps us understand where we are today. And we're in a difficult spot today, aren't we? There are over 20 armed conflicts happening currently in the world. Two of them make the headlines. The hungry continue to go hungry. And we still have problems that range an entire spectrum. And the central character of all of our readings this evening is one person. It's the Lord who loves his people. And it's incredible. We could spend some time tracing what this God has done by becoming born as a baby, as helpful as babies are. But I'd like to suggest we consider another person, just for a moment, who has an incredible role to play and who speaks really to all of us who are I'll speak to my, from myself, rather ordinary. Any other ordinary people here this evening? I mean, we have a few exceptional people at the back, but we are rather ordinary, aren't we? And so let's just take a moment, if you'll permit, and just consider reflecting on the other central character of the Christmas story. A woman called Mary, who through most nativity plays is absolutely silent who was referred to in Once in, Royal's David, Once in Royal David's City as her mother, Mild. And my question is, really? She doesn't strike me as someone I'd want to cross. Or, in art, she's often depicted as a woman looking down in blue, holding an angelic baby. Maybe she liked blue. Easy to clean, doesn't show the stains like white does, right? But it's incredible, in the New Testament, in Luke, he positions Mary in a very specific way, which is unlike any document of the era. We can see what kind of person is invited to be a gospel witness. They were teachers of profound theology, an example, and here in positioning Mary in this way, we have an example of simple Humble faith. And it's no mistake that a woman gets to be part of all of this and that her voice, her questions, 
her fears and her actions and her obedience matter. Because today, it is the obedience, the questions, the voice, even the fears, the actions, and the obedience of normal, ordinary people that make a difference. And so this Christmas, in the few moments I have left, I want to encourage you to remember that ordinary, young, poor, oppressed woman was chosen to play a significant role in the redemption of the world. Perhaps this Christmas is an excellent time to listen to a woman. In the evangelical world, that I find myself reading most of the authors, the reading and telling of the events surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ uh, are, are such that we, we get very little from Mary's point of view, and that, that's understandable because so much is not known. And so much of the art of the time has cast the characters in a very particular way. For example, we're familiar with the star of Bethlehem. We're familiar with the words of the innkeeper. We're familiar with the idea of the manger as a cradle, the shepherds who are, are afraid of the light and prefer the darkness, the angels and the visit of the magi, portrayals of the nativity abound, but Mary is mostly considered today to be a passive, silent figure. Yet she's described by Luke's gospel as a woman, as a woman who exercised choice, she questioned things, she reflected, she responded, she spoke up, and she demonstrated great faith. Our world today, with all of its problems, is in desperate need of people who will, ordinary people, who will exercise choice, who will question things, who will reflect, who will respond, who will speak up and demonstrate faith. And to all of us, Mary is an example to follow. Consider this. Most in the biblical narrative, when faced with an angel, fall down as if dead. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, though he said it himself, who knew Jesus arguably the best, when he sees Jesus in the book of Revelation, falls down as if dead. Zechariah gives us the first recorded case of post-angelic stress disorder. Not so with Mary. What does Mary do when she sees the angel Gabriel? She questions him. Why? Because she's an ordinary woman. Who has the courage to question? Not only that, she would have known at that time that by embracing this invitation, this call to bear the Son of God would mean living a life with a social stigma that she would never escape. Because you have a child out of wedlock was not done then. And yet she embraces the stigma and embraces the call. That takes courage. 
I was a chorister growing up and for a time sang in the cathedral choir, which meant that Sunday evenings we would be at the cathedral singing Evensong. At first I was a tenor, then my, my voice migrated lower and I was a bass and, you know, I just kind of followed everyone else's lead. And, but Evensong was my favorite service to sing especially as we would sing Mary's song known as the Magnificat. And it was the first time in my memory, I think, where I experienced the presence of God. It's quite something singing in a choir, because unlike the other musicians, no disrespect to any of you, I'm sure this is possible, when you sing, your body is the instrument. And it's as if musically you're one step closer to what you're trying to do. And in my experience, it was singing the Magnificat where I experienced the presence of God for the first time. And it's recorded for us in Luke's gospel. Take one line from it, verse 52 of chapter 1. Mary sings, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the humble estate, those of humble estate. So these words of this ordinary woman, young as she was, are words of prophecy that speak of what Jesus was coming to do and sketch out for us what his kingdom is about. His kingdom is about being reconciled to God through his coming death and resurrection. He is a baby born to die. It's also about receiving. His kingdom is about receiving unmerited and undeserved grace. Unconditional love that is freely given to all who would receive it. And yet Mary pushes the point. And she says it's also about justice. To those who have been mighty and who have abused their power, they will be torn down from their thrones and they will be held accountable for what they have done. Is this the Mary in blue holding a perfect baby looking down? Or is this a fiery woman proclaiming hope in her son that he is the one who's going to deal with the injustice in this world, that he is the one who has stepped into a traumatized world and to the traumatized, he will bring comfort and healing, and he will make all things new. To the degree that they have suffered, they will receive from the living God. If you've sung in a choir, you know that in Advent and Lent, the settings of Evensong are in a minor key. And that minor key is, is a, turns the singing of this song into a lament where we recognize that we're not there yet. But a day is coming when he will return and make all things right. So at Christmas time, if you would like to spend some time exploring what one of the other central characters of the story might help inform us. The central character is Jesus. I really want to encourage you, 
It's a book entitled Mary's Voice. It's written by a friend of mine, Dr. Amy Or Ewing. I recommend it to you. It just sheds light in a different perspective and helps bring the details, bring the faith to life in a way that I hadn't considered. Now, for some of us this evening, and I know the cowboy game begins in a moment or two, but bear with me for a moment, if you can. To those of you who are ordinary, your choices matter. To those of you who are ordinary, your ability to question matters. Your ability to reflect and respond matters. And to those of you who are women, I am not a woman, as you can see, your voice matters. Mary's voice matters. And so I commend you as we approach Christmas to question and to look and to look deep into the detail of the first century. Because what you see there helps us see our world clearly. And if you have questions of faith, I want to applaud you. Because it's the questions and the questioning that lead us to the presence of God. And many of you are visiting. Many of you, some of you may be here under a duress, and if you are, you hide it well. Some of you have been promised a warm reception afterwards, and we'll do our best. But if you do have questions and you'd like to speak to someone about those questions and air them, in the back of your bulletin, we call a connection card. I, growing up, got into trouble for tearing bulletins apart during the service, as dull as they were. Uh, But we have designed this to be torn. You tear it, and you can make something with origami if you're so inclined, or you can fill in the details. And then next door at the reception, you could uh, leave it on the table or hand it to me, and we'll get in touch and schedule coffee. In fact, I was having lunch with someone today at noon, and uh, they suggested meeting over coffee and bacon. I thought, well, that's an ingenious thought. There's a coffee shop nearby that serves the most wonderful bacon. And so over coffee and bacon, we will talk about things of the faith. What a wonderful thing to do. So I commend you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for your contributions. I want to encourage you this Christmas to remember that an ordinary, young, poor, oppressed woman chose to play a significant role in the redemption of the world. And while what she has done can never be repeated or replicated, we all have a role to play. All we need to do is respond to his invitation. And I want to encourage you that this Christmas may just be an excellent time to explore what a first century woman might have to say to us today. Let us pray. On page, where are we, 14. The Lord be with you. And also with you. O God, who makes us glad with the yearly remembrance of the birth of your only Son, Jesus Christ, grant that as we joyfully receive him for our Redeemer, so we may with sure confidence behold him 
when he shall come to be our judge, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. Christ, who by his incarnation gathered into one things earthly and heavenly, fill you with peace and goodwill, and make you partakers of the divine nature. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen.